Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you, and whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or your Alexa-enabled device, I appreciate you tuning in here to Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, the Jeff Dean Show here, weekdays 7 to 9. I know that you have a, a choice of where to get your sports news information, entertainment, opinions, whatever, uh, and I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show and uh, try to put together the best show for you every day that we can. Try to get you uh, the local news, keep you abreast of everything there. So obviously, share plenty of my opinions with you. That's uh, that's what we do here on the Jeff Dean Show. But try to have a good time as well, keep things uh, somewhat lighthearted and uh, enjoy some things, maybe challenge some of the thinking out there as well. Um just we'll get into NFL in in, in just a, in just a minute because I Baker Mayfield again just shut up bro like, like stop talking like there are people I'm probably guilty of this myself at many times throughout my life just know when to stop talking uh, he needs to just stop talking altogether and like try to play a new role he's not going to we'll talk about it coming up in just a little bit. If you're looking at the NBA playoffs, the uh, the play-in tournament, we've already decided who the seven seeds are going to be, right? Those seven seeds are going to be playing, uh, you know, coming up. The, the Timberwolves, of course, get the, get the seven seed. Uh, as predicted, I, you know, I thought that, as you, as you can hear in the, uh, the promo that runs with FanDuel, I did, in fact, pick Timberwolves to win that game against the, against the Clippers. I predicted the... The over-under would hit under, which it did, both of those. And I predicted Carl Anthony Towns to have a double-double, and he had maybe the worst night of his career. Uh, just played like an idiot out there. I'm like, what What are you doing? <laughs> like, what, what, like, what are you doing? So, know, hopefully he reigns that in for the, uh, for the postseason. And I still laugh. I still laugh about this. Because a year ago, there were thousands and thousands of Suns fans, tens of thousands of Suns fans, and people, you know, members of the media and such that felt that the Phoenix Suns should trade DeAndre Ayton for Carl Anthony Towns. Trade him straight up for Carl Anthony Towns. It's time to get rid of him. Blah, blah, blah. Are you serious? Really? Are you? I, 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 really? <laughs> Come on, man. Look, it's what it's gotten to the situation now where if you don't think that DeAndre Ayton is a valuable member, and I mean a valuable key member, to the best team in the NBA, then I can no longer help you. I just can't. If you're one of those fans that refuses to see just how well he fits in with this particular this particular style, this particular uh, scheme, and just how difficult it is to do what he does on a nightly basis, like if you if you can't see that, then I can't help you. There are probably still people out there that want to trade DeAndre Ayton for Carl Anthony Towns or whomever. I, what, like, what are you seeing? Are you expecting DeAndre Ayton to come out here and be like Joel Embiid and average 28 points a game and 13 rebounds a game? He's not that guy. 
He never was going to be that guy. DeAndre is a different dude. And playing in Monty Williams' scheme, which is the most difficult defensive scheme to learn in the league, period, end of story. It's the, it's the most difficult one. There are, there are schemes out there that obviously work. Uh, you know, the Boston Celtics' best defensive team in the league have been all year. They also have ridiculously good individual defensive players. Okay, Phoenix is not blessed with the best defensive players in the league. Chris Paul and Devin Booker would never be mistaken for great defensive players, ever. Like, they're just – they're not. So you have to use your anchors. You have to use guys like Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, and DeAndre Ayton, who are three excellent defensive players. Jay Crowder, kind of like fake tough guy, never been a big fan of his, but he is a very hardworking defensive player, and he knows the scheme well, and he works well within it. So I'm going to leave him alone. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking any guff about Jay Crowder this year. He has been solid – defensively this year and I, I hats off to him man he has been great but with the way DeAndre Ayton plays defense and what they expect out of him like it's it, it would be first of all you don't want to hear it it's boring radio I'm not going to sit here and break down all the things that make what, what DeAndre does great and all these hidden things about the way that that shell defense works and his responsibilities within it. That's uh, I could spend half an hour talking about it. You don't want to hear that. I would hear radios clicking all across the city of Tucson if I did that. Just trust me when I say this. Having DeAndre Ayton in there as your center in this particular scheme is the most important part of the Suns' defense. The most important part. Period. Period. End of story. It's why they have worked so hard on him to get him ready defensively. They haven't even – look, offensively, why do you think they think they, they keep things so simple for him? When you watch the Suns on offense, when they run plays for, for Dre, it's, it's all pick and roll. you got the best guy in the, in the league to do that with, with Chris Paul, one of the greatest point guards of all time. They are hashtag blessed to have him because they make things real easy on Dre on the offensive side. But they have to because they've done nothing but work on him defensively in this particular in in his time in Phoenix. Offensively, he's been left to work on the game himself. Like look, Dre, when you're with us, we're working on defense. You're going to have to work on offense on your on your on your own. Like, you know, get you know, get a workout partner or whatever, uh, you know, work on your shooting on on your own. We we can't we're not working on we're not focusing on that. We need to be the best defensive team in the league if we're going to win a championship. They're close. I think the Suns arguably the second best defensive team in the league behind Boston. There are some good defensive teams out there. I think all in all, when you look, when you break down the numbers and you just look and see how efficient they are, not only against the two, but against the three, they, they keep teams from getting a whole lot of easy buckets. They're not terrible in transition. They're a good rebounding team, not a great rebounding, rebounding team, but a good rebounding team, certainly good enough. They're one of the top 10 rebounding teams in the league. When you look at them as a whole, uh, it is it is it would be difficult to put two teams above the Phoenix Suns when you're talking about overall defensive efficiency, just ability to defend. You know the Suns, if, if you know, and if you if you break down their numbers, you get really analytical on them. You look at the amount of of points that they give up, and people say, "Well, their points per game are up." Okay, well, but. 
they're also averaging six more possessions per game defensively than opposing teams are because their offense moves quickly. They're, they're, a, they're you know, they're a, a fat, not as not as fast as some of the other teams in the league. That, but those teams are also worst rated defensively. But basically, the way it works out is uh, the Suns are bottom five in the league in amount of defensive possessions allowed, but top five in the league in defensive efficiency. So when you equate those together, it's hard to say that they're not one of the two, if not three best teams uh, in, in the entire league. And one of the major reasons for that is because of DeAndre Ayton and how good he is. Look, Devin Booker, as great as he is offensively, and as much of a star as he is and as disrespected as he is around the league by – look, players love Devin Booker. Players understand Devin Booker. Like, when you when you hear like – I was just watching – I saw a um, an interview the other day with uh, Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, whatever. He's, he's changed his name to his wife's last name now. I don't know. Whatever his whatever damn name he's running with, Ron Artest was, was doing an interview. It was on uh, uh, Colin Cowherd's show. And he's talking this and that, and he literally, like in the middle of the interview, just drops Devin Booker's name and starts talking about how great of a player Devin Booker is. Like, almost unprovoked, really. Players around the league recognize how wonderful a player Devin Booker is. Okay, Devin Booker, that the starting five of the Phoenix Suns, is far and away the worst defensive player on the starting five. Far and away. And he's still actually a pretty good defender. He's not a he's not a bad defensive player. The Suns wouldn't be in the position they were in if he were a bad defensive player. If he were just straight up bad, the Suns wouldn't be sixty four wins, eight games above the second best record in the entire NBA, thirteen games in first place, forty six games ahead of the last place team in the Western Conference. The Suns wouldn't be there if he were bad. He's just not. He's like the fifth best in the starting in the starting five. Top two guys, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges. Those are the those are the top two. Mikel Bridges, Suns have been uh, been hammering the social medias, trying to get votes for Mikel for Defensive Player of the Year. It's not going to happen because nobody knows who he is. Because again, the national disrespect, the 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 ignorance around the Phoenix Suns or covering the Phoenix Suns or recognizing just how really good they are, uh, it, it will continue to persist until they win a championship. But Mikael Bridges, his numbers are outstanding. Again, Marcus Smart probably going to win the Defensive Player of the Year. He's that, you know, first of all, he's a really good defensive player, but he he looks the part, right? Like he, you watch a Boston Celtics game, and Marcus Smart is constantly dogging, hounding. Like he works hard. He, he puts on a great show defensively. He really does. And it's nothing against him. I'm not saying he's, he's fake or that he's false or anything. He goes out there and he gives it his he gives it his all. I mean, he's he's going to earn that defensive player of the year award. He looks the part. Uh what Mikel Bridges does is uh is remarkable. And he look, he's done they brought him here for that specific reason coming out of Villanova. We knew he was the 3 and D guy. Needed to work on his athleticism, put a little weight on him and stuff. Get out there, see what you can do because, you know, bigger guys in the NBA, these you know, these adults we're going to push him around a little bit. Mikel has been nothing but great at improving his game since he got here to the Phoenix Suns. And uh, I can't wait to watch them in the playoffs. They're the favorites for a reason. They're the best team in the league. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. They've got two two bona fide superstars 
most likely headed for the Hall of Fame. Chris Paul, first ballot, whatever, unanimous decision, the Hall of Fame. No questions, no ifs, ands, or buts. No, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Devin Booker, most likely headed for the Hall of Fame if his career continues on the path it is, and I do believe it will. He's one of the, you know, Devin Booker's putting up, he's one of those guys that when you look at, uh, you know, fastest players to this benchmark, fastest players to this benchmark, under the 25, you know, highest scoring players, uh, you know, at the age of 25, and he's like, he's top seven or eight in every single one of those in NBA history. And I know things have changed a little bit with players coming into the league at a much younger age. That's fine. He still had to, it's not, it's not been that way for three years. It's been that way for like, 18, 25, 18, you know, 18, 20, 22, 25 years where guys have been coming to the league. I mean, hell, it was Garnett and, you know, Malone and, you know, guys like that coming in out of high school. So it's, you know, it's not like just a, a, a small batch of guys that have come in at the age of 18 years old. So, uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns waiting to see who they're going to play. We'll find out uh, that that game is going to be played Friday night. We'll know who the Suns are going to play on Easter Sunday. They play at Easter Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Most likely will be the Clippers. I'd be surprised if it weren't. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll start talking some NFL. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. Talking some NFL. We talked some NBA. We talked some college stuff. We're talking some NFL now because that's my promise to you every single day here that we will talk football, talk the NFL. We've got, look, there's, there's plenty to talk about. There are NFL shows that, are on the air every single day. They've got stuff to talk about. So always things going on in the league. A Baker Mayfield, I, I, I kind of teased this earlier. Baker Mayfield yesterday went on or it was released that he had done a, a podcast, a uh, an interview with a uh, podcast, the YNK podcast. Again, there's a, there's a zillion podcasts out there. I have no idea which one this one is. He was asked – if he feels disrespected by the Cleveland Browns once or after they, they traded for Deshaun Watson, effectively ending Mayfield's tenure as their quarterback. He said 100%. I was told one thing, and they completely did another. And then he went on to discuss things. Um, that Look, really, you, you just, I don't know, man. Here's the thing. I, I know that it's in this day and age, it's the age of information. And if people ask you questions, there's there's a higher penchant to answer those questions than there is to deflect them, especially, you know, in the you're in the comfort of your own home. Now, you're not in the workplace. A lot of these, you know, these zoom it's the, the environment has changed. You know, I think if if Baker Mayfield were asked in the Cleveland Browns locker room if he were disrespect if he felt disrespected by the Cleveland Browns, I'm pretty sure his answer would be very different than the the tirade that not I almost say tirade, but the the information that he was giving and the the things that he was saying from his couch at home, uh, it would have been a lot different had he been in you know in that building. You just in the workplace things feel differently you have a, a different environment you have a different setting you have a different way about going about your business now mayfield 
who is still under contract this year, you know, the Browns are trying to find a trade partner for him, said he remains hopeful that the Seattle Seahawks are the most likely option for him. Uh, but he said, even then, I have no idea, but I'm ready for the next chapter. Now, he basically, during the, during the interview, and I saw, I think I heard maybe about 15 to 20 minutes of, of this, uh, just kind of listening to it and such, uh, you know, as I was just kind of going about my day, I didn't really listen to the whole thing, don't need to, I don't really care to, because it's always the same with Baker Mayfield. It's I'm disrespected. I'm misunderstood. I don't get the the uh, you know the, the the approval that I need. I've done more for this than uh, blah 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 blah. And I'm disrespected. He said that I, I'd I'd love to go to these fans' cubicles and boo them, dude. Like they're not they're not working for your approval. You are, okay. When you enter into the world of pro sports, okay, you have to understand. First of all, that yes, it is a game, it is a competition, it is your livelihood. You are you, you know, doing that for a living. That is your job to be a professional sports player, whatever sport you happen to play. You have to understand, and the, the, the earlier in your career you understand this, the better you will be, that the people who come to see you are not spending their this is not their 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 business budget although for some it is but this is their entertainment budget they want to be entertained they are fans it is short for fanatic fanatic is a is a crazy word it's uh, often used to describe people who don't think rationally about certain things because they're so ingrained in one aspect of it okay that's what a fan is fans want to be entertained if you suck, they are going to boo you. You have to understand this. Baker Mayfield has not been lighting up the NFL with passing records, dazzling plays, and victories. Certainly not in the playoffs. So you tell me what they have to cheer about in Cleveland, specifically talking about their quarterback. It's not like he's been delivering every single week, every single month, every single year since he got there four years ago that they wasted a number one pick on because now they've gone in a different direction. They're going to be moving on to a quarterback who wasn't even allowed to play last year, you know, amid 22 sexual misconduct allegations. And he went on to talk about that too. He basically slammed Deshaun Watson. He, he said uh, he said during his uh, the news conference, he didn't do it yesterday, but he did it on, in, his, uh, in his news conference, that, uh, quote, he never assaulted any women or disrespected any women, uh, you know, basically, you know, taking a shot. So, I, look, there are, there are people in this world who just need to keep their mouth shut. Baker Mayfield is one of them. The, you know, and he obviously he's backtracking on certain things. He goes, I really, truly, honestly have no regrets of my time in Cleveland. What I tried to give that place, true Clevelanders and true Browns fans know that. Okay, so let's think about this. Even if you're, okay, we're not, I'm not expecting to find true Clevelanders and true Browns fans here in the city of Tucson. 
I mean, it is a transient state. It is a transient city. There are a lot of people living and moving here from other places, specifically in the Midwest. I'm not sure we'll find one, but maybe we have one out there. If you are a what he calls a true Clevelander, a true Browns fan, what will be your lasting legacy of the four years you spent watching Baker Mayfield in the orange and brown? Inconsistency, immaturity, not enough wins, too much indecision. The Cleveland Browns did everything they could to put stars around him to make him flourish. And all he did was squander those opportunities. They gave him Odell Beckham Jr. And I think it's proven now that Odell Beckham Jr. is not washed up because I think there were some thoughts that maybe he was washed up uh, based on how poorly he played and how poorly his performances were while he was with the Cleveland Browns. But then we see him with the Los Angeles Rams late in the season last year, and he second-best player on the field behind his wide receiver teammate, Cooper Cup. Had he not blown out his ACL at you know right before halftime of the Super Bowl, he's probably well on his way to Super Bowl MVP award. He was unstoppable in the game. They couldn't cover him. So it's not like, you know, he's not washed up. He apparently was well and good during his time in Cleveland. But guess who couldn't get him the ball? They have spent millions of dollars building an offensive line to keep him protected. What does he do after he throws an interception? He throws himself into harm's way, gets a 210-pound safety, blows out his shoulder, and is going to spend the rest of his life blaming that on his inconsistencies as long as he plays. He says, I'd be lying to you if I said that I didn't get caught up in all the negativity and stuff during the last year. He says, I was trying to be tough and fight through it, but then physically I wasn't capable of doing what I would normally do. Yeah, you were out there hurting your team, bro. Like, doctors were like, we need to shut you down. And he's out there like, no, I'm going to play. I don't know, you know, what management was thinking. Like, well, we're paying this guy $19 million right now. Uh, we're going to get... You know, we're going to get our money's worth, apparently. Uh, I, you know, at what point do you just say, screw the money, he's messing up our team right now. So he says that he's looking forward to it. And th- th- this, was, this was my favorite part of the entire interview. He, he's basically saying, I can't, and this is the way it went. This is the, the vibe that I got from it. First of all, he's looking for an apology from the Cleveland Browns. You're not going to get it. Good luck with that, bro. You can wish in one hand, and you can crap in the other and see which one fills up faster. That, that would be my advice to Baker Mayfield in that, in that avenue. The second part of this that I, that I caught from yesterday is that he's basically saying, I look forward to being a leader at my next stop, a.k.a. the Seattle Seahawks. It's basically the only place that he's talking about because it's the only team that he's even is remotely interested in his services. He says he's going to be a, he's he's going to work on being a better leader at his next stop, and then followed it up said by saying I'm not going to change who I am. Okay, well you, you you can't do both, Baker, because it's really obvious that you are not a leader 
based on the person that you are. So either you're going to become a great leader and change the person that you are, or you're going to continue to be a terrible leader by continuing to be the same person you are today and have been your entire career, extending all the way back to his time at Oklahoma and Texas Tech. Good luck. I, I mean, sure, he's better than Drew Locke is. I think he's a better player than Drew Locke is. But that's not saying much. So if he wants to go and play for the last place Seattle Seahawks, a team who will probably win about five games next year, and play for a 71-year-old coach who is just going through the motions right now until he can retire, then go for it. Like, uh, like go for it. I mean, look, I like Pete Carroll. I've always, I've always liked Pete Carroll. I think that Pete Carroll has done a phenomenal. He's, he's, he's uh, to say that he's the Phil Jackson of of the NFL would be, you know, I, I think that would be a little bit of a of a lofty comparison for for Pete. But the the way that he runs a a locker room and a roster and the way that he gets guys to buy in and he's you know he's a culture guy where he's able to get a lot of differing opinions and guys with different uh, uh, sets of egos to all work together and tug the rope in the same direction. He's got a motley crew of, of players on those rosters. And say what you want, Richard Sherman is one of the most volatile, emotionally and behaviorally uh, volatile players that we've seen in quite some time. They had they had all kinds of problems. There were players on that in that team in that locker room, and I got word uh, from this from a guy who covers the team in Seattle. There were some guys on that team, and and I don't mean a sound, I mean a group, a large group of players, both offensive and defensive players on that team. And this is when they were going to the playoffs, and they were favorites to to go to the Super Bowl every single year. That didn't like Russell Wilson because he was quote not black enough. I don't know what that means. I don't, you know, I don't live in that space, so I don't know exactly what that means. But it doesn't sound good. Pete Carroll was able to get those teams to work together, play together for sixty minutes at a time, practice together, work out together, watch the film, such, and cash one in. And what an impressive victory that was over Peyton Manning! Right, it was a good one. So I like Pete Carroll. I think Pete Carroll's done a phenomenal job throughout his career of getting assembling incredibly good talent of guys who would not get along if they weren't playing football for Pete Carroll, period. That's what he's done. So I think Pete Carroll's done a phenomenal job. But he's the oldest coach in the league. Sure, he's looking to get out. He's, he's, Pete Carroll's not going to coach forever. As much energy as that dude has, I mean, first of all, it's incredible to think that he's the oldest coach in the league, watching him pace the sideline and chew that gum. But, my God, uh, you got to hang it up at some point, right? So good luck to Baker Mayfield. I, listen, if I'm if I'm Seattle, I don't want it. I don't want any of that. Like Pete Carroll, if I'm Pete Carroll, I'll be like, you know, I've spent enough of my life dealing with malcontents and people coming to work in my workspace that have a pa- a bad attitude. I'm gonna pass on Baker Mayfield. Let him go be somebody else's problem. <laughs> That's what I would do. You know what else I would do? I would go to FanDuel Sportsbook right now, today, especially if you're a new customer, because this season. You can turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook because new customers can step up to the plate with a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Just sign up on FanDuel using my promo code, DEAN, that's D-E-A-N, 
You can place your first bet on FanDuel, and if you don't win, FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit. Now, of course, FanDuel offers great promotions daily, including odds boosts, parlay insurance, and free bets. The app is easy to use, easy to navigate, and they offer safe and secure transactions. They offer generous cash-out offers in case you're afraid your card might fail and fall apart right there at the finish line in the, in the last minutes of, of whatever was happening. And when you win, they deliver lightning-fast payouts. Now, if I had a risk-free bet up to $1,000, if I had that opportunity like you did looking at some Major League Baseball futures, maybe you pick the division winners. There's still options to do that. Or pick a World Series champion. But you can customize your bet your way, and that's the beauty of it all. See for yourself why FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. Sign up using my promo code DEAN, D-E-A-N, and get started with your risk-free bet up to $1,000. 21 and over in present in Arizona. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable site credit that expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. More from the NFL after this on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So earlier in the week, there was a, a sports writer in uh, in New England. I can't remember his name, but I, I apologize for that. Uh, but he was talking about a story where there was possible. I mean, I guess I guess you would call it collusion, uh, you know, or, or uh, co mingling or whatever you want to call it. But there was a story that Tom Brady was going to try to essentially inject himself into the front office of the Miami Dolphins hire Sean Payton as his head coach, and go get Deshaun Watson to be the quarterback and kind of put together like this, you know, this hand-picked team in Miami and try to bring a championship back to the Dolphins. And that was all before that, it, before Tom re-signed with Tampa or came back out of retirement or whatever with, you know, with Tampa Bay. And, you know, there's there's been this weird story, and now there's talks that the NFL may investigate whether there was tampering involved, blah, 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 blah. The thing that, the thing that speaks to me about this particular story, though, and it, it look, this these kinds of things continue to happen around the Miami Dolphins, is the fact that they obviously don't think very highly of their current quarterback, Tua Tungvaloa, because... Not only is there this story, but there was the story last year about uh, Brian Flores trying to negotiate with Deshaun Watson to get him into the, in, you know, into the into the program there, try to you know try to make a trade for Deshaun Watson. Then there was owner Stephen Ross who got in trouble for essentially tampering, and this is listed in Brian Flores' lawsuit against the Miami Dolphins that that he had set up a chance meeting with a quarterback, an available quarterback, uh, you know, who was available, I don't know whether market it was available in, uh, but in the middle of the 2020 season, set up a chance meeting with a quarterback. And this was in 2020. So that's on three separate occasions where the Miami Dolphins have been rumored to be doing things maybe not so legally, trying to get rid of or trying to replace 
Tua as their quarterback. Now, I mean, i got to give Tua all the credit in the world. The fact that he is not coming out like, like if Tua were to give a, a, a you know a, an interview on a podcast the same way that Baker Mayfield did, and he said things like "I feel disrespected," "I want an apology," "I blah blah blah," he probably would have earned that by now. Two and a half years of this crap of your team, your owner, your GM, your players, your coaches trying to go behind your back, trying to replace you with somebody else. Sure, I mean I, I would be like. <laughs> Yeah, you're excused. You go ahead and spout off. You've earned it. But he continues to be the good guy in the room. In fact, he's not even just being the good guy. He's being the quiet guy, which shows you everything you need to know, need to know about the difference between Tua and Baker Mayfield. Neither of them are very good quarterbacks. I don't think Tua is a very good quarterback either. And I'm on record as saying I never would have drafted Tua Tonga Bailoa. And for a multitude of reasons, some of which being just very unfortunately that he's a left-handed quarterback. He's a left-handed person. You don't you don't draft left-handed quarterbacks unless they are the sure thing. You don't. Period. You just you can't. I've spent too much time talking with coaches, offensive coordinators, offensive line coaches that just say that it's just too much strain on your offense. Unless you get the sure thing as a left-handed quarterback, you don't even go there. You, just, you can't. You can't afford to. There's, there's three years of trying to rework your system. It is not, folks, it is not an offseason that it takes you to rebuild your offense or retool your offense for a left-handed quarterback. Everything changes. The, the, the ripple effect on changing the arm of your quarterback is immense. It is absolutely incredible. I would have never drafted him in the first place. That's not his fault. Being left-handed isn't his fault. But he's going about things the right way, and that's why I hold a lot of respect for a guy like Tua. No, he's not going to win Miami a championship, and ultimately, when you have a quarterback, that's what you need, which is, you know, when the 49ers, as a, as a lifelong 49ers fan, when they drafted Alex Smith, I knew that Alex Smith was never capable of winning a championship, and that's why I was against the pick. I, I was always against the pick. I didn't know if Aaron Rodgers was or was not the guy to win them a championship, but I knew that it wasn't Alex Smith. And as hard as Alex worked, and I like Alex Smith. I've talked to Alex on two different occasions, and he's been nothing but kind, generous with his time, and a very a very good interview, to be honest with you. I just never believed that he was going to be the guy to win the Niners a championship. And ultimately, if you feel like you don't have that guy, then what are you doing? Are you just wasting people's time, wasting people's money? You have to go and do the next best thing. So to hear that Tom Brady wanted to get involved in a situation where he was put into a personnel decision-making uh, you know, uh, job with the, with the Miami Dolphins, to hire Sean Payton as his head coach and go bring Deshaun Watson in there, it absolutely makes sense. I, I believe that 100%. And when it didn't happen, when it fell through, when plans went awry, then Tom's like, all right, well, I guess I'll come back to Tampa. I'm not done being in the NFL, not done playing. I can still throw football. And now Tom, you know, Bruce Arians is out. Todd Bowles, the head coach. It, 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 didn't didn't I see something earlier? Like I, I, remember, I know I talked about this the day after 
the day after, or not that it wasn't the day after, but recently, uh, shortly after the the whole, you know, uh, Byron Leftwich staying as the OC, Todd Bowles being hired as the head coach, and I was told by someone close to the situation that Bruce Arians believed that that was going to be the best move for both of them, that Todd Bowles needed to reinvigorate himself as a head coaching candidate and that Byron Leftwich would be better served if Tom Brady's his quarterback, putting up 5,000 yards and 45 touchdowns, he'd be better served as padding himself as a great offensive coordinator to then be elevated to the head coaching level because you don't, you don't earn any credit as a first-year head coach with Tom Brady as your quarterback. You just don't. <laughs> just sorry. You know, it's the way the world works. And then what did Bruce Arian say, I think, like two days after? That's exactly what he said. <laughs> it's basically like Todd needed to to get a second chance at a head coaching job, and he can prove to everyone now that he can win with, you know, with good players. He can win with, you know, with marginal players. And if he wins a championship, then all bets are off. You know, he obviously cemented himself as a great head coach. And that Byron is a phenomenal offensive coordinator. He should have already had a head coaching job by now. But with a 45-year-old Tom Brady and a retooled, uh, offense and, and, you know, roster and such on offense and weapons and things like that, if he's still able to get 5,000 yards out of a 45-year-old quarterback, then that just proves to you right there he's one of the best OCs in the league. There you go. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's just it's interesting to see what's happening in Miami. And, again, you know, you know who's your who's your quarterback? Are you, are you going to win a championship with that quarterback? Look, I'll, I'll say this. I heard an interview with uh, with – uh, Trevor Lawrence recently. We just need to just throw his rookie season out. As good as he, as good as he was, I mean, he and he was good his rookie season. That organization was in such ridiculous disarray with that buffoon Urban Meyer as their head coach. Like, just throw it out. Like, don't even don't even count that against him. That was not his fault. Like, anything that happened in that season was not was not Trevor Lawrence's fault. I'm excited to see what. What Jacksonville? I'll be watching Jacksonville this year. I really will be. I've always felt that that Trevor Lawrence was going to be kind of that next guy, that next guy in the NFL. He's got everything that he needs, and now they went out and spent a ton of money to protect him on the offensive line and give him some more weapons. Whether you agree with the money that was spent or not, they spent it. I'll be watching Jacksonville. The Jaguars are going to be a must-see this year in the NFL. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Oh, boy. Here we go. Final segment and the coughing. Let's <laughs> resume. Oh, boy. Sorry. Eyes are watering, choking. <clears throat> Sorry. I'm going to try to get through this. <laughs> got like two and a half minutes here. I got to get through this. The USFL. Will you be watching? Spring football, I, look, it's it's one of those things that has been tried and tried and tried. Let's try to keep football going year-round. It's so popular for the NFL. <laughs> Let's get our season going, too. XFL, UFL, FXFL, NFL Europe, the AAF. Oh, my God. Uh, 
so many different attempts at keeping spring football, competitive football being played uh, here in America <clears throat> is uh, is a tough spot. But the USFL is going to try to tackle it. They start a 12-week uh, season this weekend, capping off or t- kicking off the, the weekend with a – look, they've brought all the old names back, right? Um, you know, all the old team names that we remember. <clears throat> Pardon me, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, the, the, for you know, people like my age, they remember back in the day with the New Jersey Generals and the Birmingham Stallions and all that stuff. So a 12-week season starts this weekend. It's all being backed by uh, Fox Sports. They're kind of the, the engine behind it. And, look, they're expecting instant success. Like, they, they think that these 43 games are going to bring in viewers in not just the millions, but in the tens of millions. Um, the, the, the new league is they've gotten themselves some pretty high-profile coaches that are going to be you know coaching and, and pacing the sidelines. Obviously, there's plenty of players of recognition. Scooby going to be on, uh, you know, on the field for the USFL this year. So, uh, <clears throat> I know, you know, a lot of other names of, of people that uh, that you know we'll try to keep a close eye on. In fact, we'll probably put together like a roster of of Arizona guys who are going to be playing in the USFL. Will you be watching? I think it's worth a look at least, right? I mean, it's football, and I it, it, this is this is not. Um, this is not, you know, gimmicky, you know, football like the XFL. Let's bring in a different ball and change all the rules and everything like that with Vince McMahon doing all of his thing. This is, you know, real stuff. I mean, like Wade Phillips and Bob Stoops are coaching. Heinz Ward is a coach. I love Heinz. Love Heinz Ward. Great dude. So, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what it looks like uh, this weekend with the kickoff of the USFL. Again, 43 games this year. In this uh, 12-week season of spring football in the USFL, certainly getting plenty of coverage in, uh, in media back then, So, see if we can enjoy some football. All right, that's going to wrap things up. Thanks to Mary for all her hard work back in the studio. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6, and I will hopefully see you guys tomorrow morning for a football Friday right here at 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.